Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the show. This is your host, Bernice Alexander Bennett, and joining me today is Sherry Hudson, Hudson Passy, for a discussion about the descendants of slaves and slaveholders sharing records. Sherry Hudson Passy is a professional genealogist, instructor, writer, and speaker and the owner of Carolina Girl Genealogy, LLC, which provides research services as well as instruction and coaching through her Genealogy 101 classes. Sherry is the host of the Genealogy Chat Show, Gen Friends, seen on YouTube, and is a genealogical researcher, subcrack. Folks, my mouth is all twisted today, but subcontracted by Eagle Investigative Services Incorporated for the U.S. Army Past Conflict Repatriations Branch. So let me just give a warm welcome to Sherry Patsy to the show. Hi, Sherry. Hi, Bernice. Thank you so much for having me on today. Well, thank you for joining me, and hopefully my tongue-twisting voice will get right. <laughs> so, That's okay. I'll probably have the same problem. <laughs> <laughs> so let's just talk about this subject for a minute. What motivated your interest in wanting to share records with descendants of slave, uh, enslaved, and you are someone else as a slaveholder making this process take place. Well, you know, I've been researching for years, and I've been finding for years um, documents that contain the names of the enslaved, and I don't think it really hit me that I needed to do something about these names until I visited um, a former plantation on my paternal line. I went there, and as I was taking the tour, this plantation is now um, not a plantation. It's actually actually a resort. Um, some nuns run it, and people come to you know spend a few weeks and meditate and that kind of thing. Um, it's Springbank Plantation, and it's in Williamsburg um, County, South Carolina. And uh, I went, and they were giving me a tour because I let them know that I had an ancestor that once owned it. 
And everything was wonderful and fine until they took me down this path and they pointed me to this a little bit of swampy acreage and they said, this is where the slaves were buried. And it, it just, the whole day changed for me. The whole day changed for me. Um, of course, nothing was marked. They have been trying to see if they can't get some idea of all the different grave sites and mark them themselves. So we went back into um, inside the home, the plantation home, and I asked them, do you have any documentation? Do you have anything about the former owners who lived here, anything like that? They had a few things, and one of those things was a typed list with names of the enslaved that were on that plantation. And it wasn't just two or three names. It was generations of names. You could follow the mother and their children and see one of those girls and having children again and then that one having children. It was three or four generations down and it just blew me away. So I started figuring out what what can I do? These names, these names need to go somewhere. So I took, um, and it was a, a typed up paper, no sources, of course. I had no idea where they got it from. But I called um, the, the South Carolina um, archives down in Charleston, and I asked them, the historical archives, I asked them if they would like a copy, and they said, of course we would. So I sent a copy down there. So anybody researching um, the slave owner, hoping to find information on their families that were enslaved, would find this document. And I also blogged about it because we know that when we blog, everything gets picked up by Google and those names will be indexed. So I was hoping somebody would be able to find the name. So that was really my first experience about extracting names and getting them out so that people could find them. So let's think about this for a minute. You found this typed up list and mm-hmm. your thought process was I, I need to do something about this. How did it make you feel? to see that list of, of individuals? I, I kind of had two, two as, as, as somebody who I knew this was from my family, all those emotions that we get, that outrage, that disbelief, of embarrassment, all that kind of stuff, you know, came to me. But, but as a genealogist, I went, oh, my goodness, These are, this is a family list. <laughs> this is a family list. And that is not going to be found too many places. So this needs to be out in the public so people can find their family. So I kind of had mixed emotions, one personal um, with just disbelief that there were that many. Um, and then, like I said, as a genealogist, the, the joy of finding a document that I could share with people. And after sharing this document, are you aware of any descendants coming forth to claim that document and to go further in identifying their family members? I actually have received an email or two. This has been several years ago that I put this out, and every once in a while I will receive a comment either on the blog post or an email saying, I think that one of these people on this list that you posted is one of my ancestors, and they'll thank me or ask me if I know any more information. And so... um, if I happen to have any more from a, of a document on this particular ancestor, then, of course, I'll share it. I 
haven't been able to really help anybody connect yet, but I'm really hoping that that will be the case one of these days. You know, one of the things about finding your ancestors, and I'm speaking of my personal self now, mm-hmm. is that mm-hmm. I also uh, found my ancestors on a, a slave uh, inventory. And I can mm-hmm. tell you my reaction was there, I, I was sad. And oh, I, I was very sad. I was I was shocked. I didn't know what to do. This was my very first time seeing mm. an ancestor listed uh, as part of the furniture and the cattle. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I also connected uh, with the, the descendant of the slaveholder of the family. And mm-hmm. so you can imagine what it's like. Uh, here I am sitting in front of the descendant. And the descendant is sharing this information, information that she had, and she was aware of the fact that she was from a slave-owning family. Now, this took Mm -hmm. place in 2004. So I can tell you right now, just listening to you and thinking of others, it is something that you, if you want to go further back and you – think that your ancestors are enslaved, then those records are out there. But I want to read something to you. Sure. And this is from the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King. It's part of his speech um, on the steps of the Lincoln Memorial on Mm -hmm. August 28, 1863. And Dr. King said, I have a dream that one day on the Red Hills of Georgia, the sons of former slaves and the sons of former slave owners will be able to sit down together at the table of brotherhood. What's your thoughts about that? It gives me chills thinking about in context of what we are talking about. We can come together and we can help each other because we've got shared history. I've got records that you need. You've got records that I need. We can work together to discover our our family and and yes it's not a pretty topic it's not um something that brings a lot of joy but we can work together and we can bring the negative that we we, we're finding in these records and we can do something positive by extracting the names the information the descriptions all the different things that we can find in these records and help people connect with their family. And that's the most important thing. This is about family. It's about connections and helping each other with the records that we're finding. So let's talk about those records. So Mm -hmm. why don't you, since you, you have been engaged in this process, of course I have too, let's just talk about what some of those records may uh, look like and where individuals might find those records. Sure. Well, you know, for a lot of people, the first inclination that they have, that they had a slave-owning ancestor, would be those censuses that they took of the slave owners. And they'll they'll look at that, and, and all of a sudden they'll see this list of, oh, my gosh, he owned this many slaves. But, you know, there's no names on there. So I think for some of us, you, you pull that up, and there's no names. like, Ugh. But then as you keep looking – you start getting the records with names, and these people become more real. They were real, living, breathing people. You've got your probate records that will have an inventory where people are listed, as you said, as chattel. 
they're listed by the hogs and the plows and whatever tools are there with prices on them. Um, sometimes you'll be doing a, a, a search of a newspaper just looking for any indication of your ancestor and up will pop one of the um, advertisements for a runaway slave. And your ancestor's name is on that ad because they owned that enslaved person. And it, it tells where they, you know, ran away from, what neighborhoods they've been seen in, and who is going to collect the reward. Um, there's so many different places where you might find something. If your ancestor owned a plantation, or even, even a small business, it doesn't, didn't even have to be a big grand plantation. If you find business records for them, you may find indication that they own slaves. You see the bill of sale or description of the work, the, the, the jobs they were being made to do. Diaries and letters. Sometimes we'll, we'll talk about the enslaved people. Um, I think a lot of people misunderstand and think that it was only the rich that owned slaves and only the people in the South <laughs> that owned slaves. But this happened all over our country. And um, whether you had a large business, small business, or a small little local farmer, they would have someone enslaved on their property to, or in their business to help run the business. And if not, whatever they did would support slavery in the community. And so there's so many things that we can find as we're researching that point us to the fact that our ancestor either owned or supported slavery. So what would prevent a descendant of a slave owner from sharing a record? Honestly, I've had people uh, ask me, especially when I put the first post out, I had so many people contact me and say, thank you, I didn't know what to do. I have these records. I've been afraid been afraid of what people would think of me, you know, if I said that my ancestor owned slaves. Um, there's a lot of fear and denial. A lot of the denial comes from, oh, my ancestor would never do this. This record might be wrong. And then you get the, oh, but, you know, they owned slaves, but they were kind. <laughs> they, were they treated mm-hmm. them like family. There's a lot of denial. But I really think a lot of it is fear, embarrassment. We're going to you know, kind of hide this, put this under the rug. We're just going to portray our ancestors as good, loving people all the time without any, you know, any problems, without any um, foibles, any of that kind of thing. And so I really do think that a lot of it is really based on, on fear and, and not knowing what reactions may be from, from other people. So especially, I've had genealogists talk to me about that. They are afraid of what the other uh, genealogists in the community will feel about them, and especially the African-American genealogists. How will they feel about me? How will this affect my friendships if I publicize the fact that my ancestors owned slaves? And I just like to tell them, do you think they don't know? (laughs) People know. We're genealogists. We understand this. None of us are, you know, it does, I don't think it takes any of us by surprise. So the important thing is to tell the truth, to get the records out, and to connect with people. That's the best thing that we can do. But, you know, when you talk about this whole issue of fear and mm-hmm. w- worry about, well, what will other people think of me, 
Well, does that make any sense? I mean, why wouldn't someone want to share a record? And is it a fear that somebody will come back and say, you owe me this? Um, I think so. I think so, about too. that. Yeah. 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 I, I really do. I agree. I think some people do feel that way or feel like, oh, maybe they'll do something to me as an individual or to my family. I think, I think there, that, there's that kind of fear as well, and they're just not understanding that, you know, when I get, when I get people contacting me through maybe Ancestry or something like that where um, they're seeing um, either a DNA match or they're seeing record matches, that kind of thing, they're not coming at me. <laughs> they're not demanding. They're not um, your ancestor or my ancestor. No, you must share this information with me. I've never had anybody to that way. It's only kindness. Can we please share these records? I feel that we've got a connection. Can we work together? And so I think, I, I think sometimes fear of, of the unknown because we haven't shared, we haven't talked to others, sometimes outweighs common sense sometimes. <laughs> so mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I really do think I really do think that, that fear is the basis for why people don't want to share. I really do think that that's, that's what it is. And they just need to get over that fear. I know it's hard to get over a fear. But understand that if people had records about your family, wouldn't you want them to share them? Of course you would. Now think about people that aren't able to trace their ancestors because it's only a first name and they're in very limited records. We've got to help them just as much as we would help anybody else. So we can't say, okay, I'll share this record, but I won't share this record. We've got to be honest with our family history and with whom we're sharing our records with. We never know when we share a record who we're going to help, whether it's an enslaved person's family or somebody else. So sharing goes for everything, not just you know, the ones you find about your slave-owning ancestors and, and those enslaved names. But I just feel like it's an opportunity for me to do something about what happened in the past. I can't change any of that. I can't, I can't, I can't go back and <laughs> I wish I could, but I can't go back and change any of that. But I can help in my small way at least, at least try to connect with descendants. I can and we've talked about before, what, what can we do? What can we do as, as people who find these names? There's so many things that we can do. We can, like I did, we can, we can take copies of the records and we can donate them to historical societies or archives, whomever will take them. We can blog about them and get those names out there for people to find. There's many different places where you can add those names. There are Facebook pages where you can... Um, go in and say, I found this document with these names. I would love for there to be like one common place that everybody knows about where we can just share information and work together. Just one common place instead of putting a little bit here and a little bit there and going all over trying to find things. I would love for there to be one day one central place where we can work together and share these records. Because, um, like I said, it's all it's all common ancestry and common history. You know, if, if you are the descendant of an enslaved person and you found a document that I've never found on my ancestor and you've uploaded it to the site, I can go in and look and see if anybody's found anything about my ancestor and vice versa. 
And I think that would be a beautiful way to work together to find this history and this information about our ancestors. So what are your thoughts about putting the names of the enslaved on your family tree? If I find that I have an ancestor, and, and I, do have, I do have an ancestor who I've connected with, um, a, a descendant of the enslaved that he fathered. It's not in my direct line. Even if it wasn't my direct line, I would still do it. He is on, this, this um, enslaved man is on my tree. He is listed as a descendant of my ancestor. So I have done that because that's the truth. He, is, he was his father. And so mm-hmm. I don't have any problem or issue with doing that because that is the truth. And as a genealogist, I want the truth out about my family tree. Now, I've seen others that don't want to do that in the same family. You can see all the descendants and some, and most people know about him at this point. And some people have added this man, January was his name, to the tree. And some have not. And so it's just, I think it's the same thing. I think some people are ashamed. And, of course, these are most likely the descendants of the slave owner. <laughs> um, they don't want to put that on the tree. And, um, I mean, you, you can't force people to communicate. You cannot force people to talk to, the, talk to each other about anything, let alone this issue. Um, but I do. I, I do have him on my tree. Well, you know, earlier when when we were talking, you spoke of truth, and mm-hmm. and and telling the truth by sharing this record. But how do you uh, engage in an honest and meaningful dialogue with a descendant so that they could hear that you it's it's truth you wanted to get out and you're very. Uh, much interested in making sure that the families are connecting with each other. Oh, yes. Well, a lot of that comes with um, when you do get uh, messages on your trees and things like that. Answer them. Talk to them. See what they need. See if you've got records that, that you can share with them. See if they've got records they can share with you. Add them to your trees. Work together. Um, you can go to the sites together and work together if you can come up with that kind of relationship. Some people can, some people can't. It depends. These relationships are just as varying as any other relationship. It may just be a strict, okay, I'll share with you what you share with me, and there's no real dialogue. Some people want the dialogue, and so you've got to, you've got to just kind of feel that out as you would any other kind of relationship what do they want what do they do they want to have a dialogue do they just want a strict you know no no real talking but just sharing the records and so people are at different places with this issue they're at different places and so you've got to respect that and I also tell people this if you whichever side you're on if you get a message about wanting to share it's perfectly okay to take a breath step back and think about how you want to handle this. Because like I said, you cannot force a relationship. But I can say from those that I've had, it's been nothing but good so far. (laughs) It's been nothing but good as we have shared and worked together. And I'm hoping 
I'm hoping to be able to, at some point, take some of these documents that I have that I haven't connected with anybody and research down the line to see if I can reach out and say, hey, I have got the documents about your ancestor. And that would be, I would love to be able to do that. So just for my own genealogy. Well, let's talk you know, about that for a minute. Let's for talk about that passion. for a minute. Uh-huh. Sherry, okay, yes. you would like to be able to say to someone, I have the documents mm-hmm. about your ancestor. But right. how would you know? And let's look at it from the mm-hmm. uh, descendant of the enslaved. What kind okay. of information would they need to have to know that they're connecting with the right family? Exactly. And sometimes they're not going to know. You may be able to pull somebody out of the blue as you're doing you know, forensic genealogy and going down the line and connect with them and then be able to show them the documents you found that then connected with them. So, of course, you know, your typical records for today would be your, you know, your um, birth, death, marriage, and all that that you can get in, in this time period and connect them up through census records. Um, there's so many different records out there that we can use to connect. Um, there's Southern Claim Commission records that will um, a lot of times name the, um, the name of a, of a master because the Southern Claims Commission's records they were using testimony of people that knew this man who was trying to say, hey, I was always, I was always <laughs> on the union side, and these people are going to testify about that, and so I need you to give me my money back that, you know, the, the South came in and, and took all my things. So um, give, me my, give me my stuff back because I was really only supporting the union. Well, they would have to have neighbors testify, and a lot of times, their former slaves actually testified for them, and they will name the name of their um, former masters. There's, there's, like we were talking about the plantation records that will have names, and sometimes you can find those generations. There are uh, records that were created after the Civil War. There are records out there. It's not the easiest thing to find, but there are records out there that you can slowly start connecting and combining families together so that you could contact somebody and say, I believe through these records that these are your ancestors. And, and, and I've heard other people being able to do that. And the person they connected would say, you know what, that fits right in with our family story. <laughs> but we didn't have any records. And so that made that connection. So that would be a wonderful thing to be able to do is for me to help I feel sometimes when I look at a record, and I think we all do this as genealogists, we feel like the people named in the records are calling to us for help. <laughs> help mm-hmm. me connect and find to my family. And I think I'm not the only one that has felt that way. And so a couple of times I have picked up and looked at records and seen these names of the enslaved, and I have thought to myself, I wonder who their family is. I bet you maybe if I worked hard on this, I could figure something out and at least get part of the way down in hopes that somebody else is coming up the other side and we can connect. So, I hope so that, sometimes I hope that you may have to, to have that. both groups both groups working in parallel. I, I know exactly. back to my own ancestor, um, he was identified in 1870 with all mm-hmm. his, his kids. 
in yeah. Edgefield County, South Carolina. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. the descendants of the slave owner recognized all of the names because the names yeah. repeated themselves in the slave records. And so ah. this was kind of one connecting link that was almost, mm-hmm. hey, this was right. I mean, there was my ancestor, yeah. uh, 1830 transaction, an 1844 transaction, an 1847 mm-hmm. transaction, where you could almost just trace him all the way through. And oh, that, But this is wonderful. something, I mean, you, <laughs> yeah, it, it is wonderful, and I'm forever grateful that I have this information. So, But others may still be stuck somewhere in 1900, mm-hmm. and they're looking for that right. slave on, that slave, mm-hmm. that enslaved individual, which means they have to do a lot of work also to get mm-hmm. to the point where, yes, this is my ancestor. So you exactly. definitely, of course, you have to know where your ancestors were from. And right. some people may may go with the 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 last name. It just so happened mm-hmm. that my ancestor had the, the same last name of his slave owner. But I also found another set of ancestors, their names are completely different, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. completely different. But completely it took a Freedman bank record. A bank ah, record with the names of yes. all of the siblings, mother and father, for me to keep looking, only to find out that they were owned by the governor of South Carolina and given as wedding gifts to his oh. daughters. Oh, so, it, I mean, it is every every time I look at one of these records, I have to tell you, it is a, a very emotional experience for oh. me. I I can't mm-hmm. be you know just cavalier. Oh, there they are. No, no it it no. it hurts because I don't want to see human no. beings listed no. as mm-hmm. property. No, and, I don't want to see hurt, that. Your hurt is not. Your hurt is way deeper than mine, and I do not ever want to compare the hurts. But I have to say that I feel that hurt when I I feel the hurt for them as I see those names listed with prices and, and, you know, all those details that you get in, in these records. So my, my hurt is not as deep as your hurt, but I do feel hurt. And that hurt is hurt for them that be, due to the situation, the time period, my ancestor, they had that hurt. Mm-hmm. So I, and, and maybe the, the the hurt that we both feel can be can be turned into working together. Not that that hurt is going to go away and the issue is not going to go away, but we can work together. We can get to that point where we can bridge that hurt and those feelings and work together so that people can connect with their families. Right. So that's really what it's and all there's about. a group, it's, I mean, really it's a it's Facebook group. Mm-hmm. The Facebook group called Coming to the Table for those mm-hmm. individuals that that feel that they need to really understand the dynamics of, of healing and reconciliation. I mm-hmm. recall reading a book, and I actually had them on my show, uh, Sharon Morgan and uh, Thomas DeWolf. And mm-hmm. they wrote this book, Gather at the Table, The Healing Journey of a Daughter, and a son of the slave trade. 
and mm-hmm. they came mm-hmm. together to sh- to talk about this, to share this. And mm-hmm. and one of the the good things about you and I talking about this is I want I want people to understand that we do need to talk. Mm-hmm. As you said, mm-hmm. you found the records we do need to share. You know, yeah. just yesterday uh, it's floating around Facebook, and it's a, an article: Virginia Beach man finds mm-hmm. a receipt. For the sale of four slaves in 1858, he now wants to find their descendants. And this made, you know, this is headline. So how many times have we seen something like that put in a headline so that people could know others are out there doing the exact same thing? Right. And, you know, I think those kind of headlines as well, and, and us doing it, helps other people that were a little hesitant, that are a little afraid. They're, they can see that, oh, it's okay to do this. This is a good thing. This is not something that's going to cause problems with me and my family. So I think the more that we talk about it and the more we share examples, I think more people will kind of come out of the woodwork with, with those records. And um, I was going to share, Bernice, that, and I know that you're aware of this, the last two years at Roots Tech, I've been privileged to be able to give a talk the first one um, two years ago, was it was a talk on how do we do this? How do you as the, um, how do I, I should say, as the uh, descendant of a slave owner, how do we deal with it? What do we do with the records? It was a wonderful, wonderful talk. Not because I gave the talk. It was a wonderful talk because <laughs> of the sharing that went on in this room. I had people from all walks of life in this room. I had the descendants of the enslaved, descendants of the slave owners. I had so many different people, and we had a conversation. And I had so many comments afterwards saying, we need to continue this. Can we do this again next year and do it more as a conversation? And I said, sure, we'll, we'll, we'll try. We'll see if, if you know, they will accept that proposal. And they did. And so this past February, Sharon Gillins and I, did more of a panel type. We each gave a short, short little presentation to kind of get things rolling, and then we just open up the mic for people to talk. And, of course, we went over time, but we had to stop because another class was coming in. And, again, we had people saying, okay, can we do this again next year? Can we keep this conversation going? And it was all about ideas from both sides saying, and I don't mean it as sides, I'm just saying the descendants of one and the descendants of the other, how can we do this together? And there was no name calling, there was no arguing, there was no you did this and your ancestors did that and blah, 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 no blaming. It was all about those human beings whose names need to be pulled out of records, who need to be, the names need to be said again and remembered and it was beautiful and the whole the you could just feel it in, in the room it was just a wonderful conversation and so i'm hoping if we ever get to back get back to having live conferences again <laughs> that we'll be able to continue this conversation and this time the goal would be to make some some goals as to actually how we're going to do this how we're going to set this up how we're going to communicate what are some best practices for doing this? How are we going to set this up in the community so people feel comfortable on each side of the spectrum? 
That's right. And, you know, why wait for another year to have a conference? If exactly. you have genealogy, yeah. you have genealogy bloggers blogging, you have Absolutely. radio shows like yep. this one, you have Zoom we can conferences. Yeah. Yes, yep. let's just make it part of a continuous dialogue of which we exactly are saying let's let's talk, mm-hmm. let's share exactly. Let's find these records. I mean, you have Beyond Ken asking mm-hmm. people mm-hmm. if you found documents, post the documents, tell people where exactly. they are, put them on Afrogenius, but make right. certain slave, that yeah, slave, others um, can access those records yes yes we don't have to wait we can continue to do it fun to actually get together in person and and have these conversations and come up with ideas and plans you know and and i know that we talked to tom reed from family search and he's all in wanting to get something done with this and so we uh i think we've all been kind of held back with covid19 but um it's really it's really um something that i would love to see happen because, again, I want to have a place to put the things that I'm finding, and I know so many others do as well. Um, there's, there's got to be a place where we can put it that everybody can find it and, and get together and have a narrative about how we communicate. I think that will solve so many of the problems with those connections that people are trying to make and, and are afraid. And they're afraid on either side. I've had, I've had descendants of the enslaved um, say to me, I I don't know how to reach out. I'm afraid because I don't want them to think I want something from them. I just want the records. And then I've had you know descendants of the the slaveholders say, you know, like I said before, I'm afraid of what they'll think of me. I'm afraid of what somebody may do to me. So we've got to get this communication out that it's not about that. It's about family. It's about connections. That's what it's all about. It's about our shared history. And that's what's the most important thing that we need to remember. That's right. Well, I want to just thank you for coming on and hope that we can keep this conversation going on Facebook and Twitter and wherever individuals feel they want to just share their thoughts on uh, sharing records on both sides. Certainly we may have individuals who will say, I do not want to communicate at all with the uh, slaveholder descendant of my family, Mm -hmm. but just give me Mm -hmm. my records. Others, as you said, may want to have something more, may want to have a relationship. But that's what two individuals or three individuals will have to do with uh, each other. Remember, Mm -hmm. those who want to learn about healing and reconciliation, Join the Facebook page coming to the table, and let's keep this conversation going. So, Sherry, I want to thank you so much for joining me today. And everyone else, remember your ancestors' left footprints. And so let's let's follow those footprints. Let's see where they take us. And for some, it may mean that those footprints will take us directly to the records where our ancestors are located. So thank you so much for joining the show today, and I look forward to everyone joining me tomorrow. Thank you, Sherry. Bye-bye. Thank you, Bernice. Bye.